yeah, sounds good. David Corsheed, welcome to the show. Hey. You are the state machine wizard, as many would probably refer to you. <laughs> you are someone who has gone out and explained it and created libraries around it, including XState. And I know you've already done the kind of state machine 101 many, many times. But the way I always hear it described is it's like a traffic light. It can be in different states, like green means go, red means stop, yellow means slow down. You always go from one to the other in a predictable pattern. But you really said that we could take this idea and use it for our UIs to simplify it. Now you've actually built a company called Stately, which has to do with state machines and how you actually integrate into your software. So there'll be a lot to get into here. And we're very excited and honored to have you here. Thank you. Really excited to be here. So you want to give a little bit of background on the company and how it was formed and who were some of the other co-founders? Sure. So uh, first of all, I'm the sole founder, no co-founders. But this really stems from an open source project that I started a little over six years ago called XDate. It was actually called Estado back then, but then I changed the name because having an X in your state management library name is cool for whatever reason. So I decided to roll with it. XDate is a library, like you mentioned, for state machines and state charts uh, in JavaScript and TypeScript. It's not meant for any specific framework, which is why you could use it in React, Vue, Angular, or even without any framework at all. In fact, there's an open PR for Solid, which is pretty exciting. One of the original problems I set out to solve was the problem of managing complex application logic. This can be manifest in many different forms. If you have multi-step forms where you know things have to conditionally show based on other things, or the order of the steps may change depending on what the user has put, then that would be an example of complex app logic that's pretty difficult to reason about without having some sort of declarative structure like a state machine to just make sense of what should happen next when the user does something. And so there's many examples of just complex UIs where they are very heavily events driven. And depending on what events occur, you could perform different actions or do things like that. I found early on that state machines as a visual formalism were a really, really great way of representing complex application logic in a way that could also be understood by the rest of the team as well, not just developers. I started stately on that premise, you know, of building a platform of visual tools for helping developers both model their applications application logic visually and also collaborate with the rest of their team and share that application logic and manage it and be able to even see what happens like when the logic changes and be able to communicate that without things like documentation tests or diagrams going out of sync from the actual code. So we have a lot of big plans and we're a small team of 10. So we're excited to make those plans happen. This is a very cool project library and company. I have been using state libraries now for about, I'd like to say about 12 months. For the listeners, I actually learned how to use state machines from your front end masters course, because for me, I found it hard to get my head around it by just looking at documentation. But then when I watched your videos, you had examples how you needed to like make them work. That made it click for me. And this is a subject that I think that obviously your company is working on this to make it easier. 
But when I started, you had to build the models yourself. Now Stately has a diagram builder. So I think the complexities of X-State are just getting easier and easier to overcome to where the benefits start becoming easier and easier to gain. If that makes sense. Yeah, it, it absolutely makes sense. And one of the biggest reasons we built that visual editor is, like you said, for it to be a lot easier to not only visualize these state machines, but also to create them as well. I know that many people have actually said that the API could be a bit object-like and a little bit confusing to author. And this is due to a lot of reasons. Like, first of all, we want the API to be visualizable. And so having some sort of declarative JSON structure really helps with that. And second of all, code is just not a good medium for describing graphs. Graphs, of course, can point in many different directions. They're essentially 2D or even 3D. And I like to think of code as pretty much one-dimensional. You're reading it from top down. Of course, you're reading it from left to right, but overall, it's just a single direction. When you have something that needs to point to something else, you're trying to keep all of those connections in your head. Honestly, a visual medium is much better for that. So I completely understand the frustration with trying to create state machines in code. And that's why we're moving towards more of this uh, visual programming aspect, not low code or no code, but more like visually augmented code. I actually learned state machines and X state from working on Everfund. Funny enough, it was about a year ago, as you say, you had integrated it. I was working on it for this like steps and projects that, that we had done. We haven't really talked about much on the podcast, but so there's like a login flow that had a whole bunch of different stuff in it. And I looked at it after just like reading it and like brute forcing my brain to like understand the different pieces, kind of like reverse engineered what was actually happening because it was, you know, the, the variables are named pretty well. So it was like, all right, this means this, this means that. So this goes this, this goes that. I agree that having just like a visual tool to like look at that and a diagram of it would have been awesome. I'm curious though. So are you able to like reverse that? So create the diagram first and then have it generate the code? Yes, absolutely. Uh, this is now possible with the uh, Stately Visual Editor. So if you go to stately.ai slash editor, it's basically a drag and drop tool. You could double click to create a state and drag edges around. What this allows you to do is create a diagram where you could export it as that JSON structure that we were talking about and use that JSON structure directly in Create Machine, which is a machine creator function that's provided by XState and actually run that as code within your application. Right now, we're working on just bringing more XC features into the editor so that whatever you could do with code, you should be able to do in the visual editor. So you could get like 70 or 90% there just in the visual editor. And again, I know it's a little bit of a paradigm shift for developers who are mostly living in code, but trust me when I say, and if you played around with this, you'd know it is so much faster to create at least a scaffolding of a state machine visually than typing it out. It's less error prone. And like, if you want to create states, it's just double click and type and drag to create lines. And that's pretty much all you need to do. But yes, we are very focused on that bi-directional, you could edit code and have the machine visualized or edit the machine visually and have the code updated to reflect that. That's one of our biggest goals. Building off what Antti was saying and what you said earlier about complicated state, this is what Antti was talking about. Everfund is obviously what I build. And this state has only got more complicated as the time has gone on, but has remained simplified by using X state. As you said before, it seems counterintuitive that the more the state 
is, i.e. the bigger the state, the more complicated it looks, but actually it reverses it. It makes it easy because, you know, there's so many logic gates in this onboarding process, API calls that need to be returned error states for them API calls, you know, what happens if they then want to go back four screens and then send another API request, trying to do all this with just use hooks, like use state, use effect, you get yourself into a muddle really, really fast. One of my biggest reasons why I actually adopted xState was on our donation systems. This seems like such a trivial reason to implement xState, but actually it was a blessing in disguise because it made everything so much easier. We had one of these multi-step forms and on the submit button, it would submit a payment. The payment would move money from one account to the other. And you would say, okay, I would put a use state saying, as soon as this on click is fired, disable this button. Easy peasy, right? We did that. And then we start noticing bugs where people do two payments, three payments. And we'll be saying like, how is this making this? Basically, it wasn't the state providing proper functionality to the API. And when we implemented xState, and because the state can only be in a certain place, it actually stopped all of them regressive bugs from happening. I've probably described that terribly, but basically users mash every button and xState is great for stopping them mashing every button and repeating the, the on requests, for example. That's a really great example, actually. I wrote an article a while ago titled, No Disabling a Button is Not App Logic, or I think something like that. And so it, it talks about that same problem where it's like, all right, if you have a business logic rule where something could only be submitted once and obviously you don't want a user to submit it multiple times developers by and large their number one uh, solution to this is you know what let's just disable the button that way they can't you know submit it more than one time but that's moving that business logic over to ui logic where it really doesn't belong because it's sort of like you know just putting up a simple barrier in order to not let people in instead of like locking the door or something or just having some other safeguards in place to make sure that people don't get in. I mean, it's possible to, uh, you know, to submit a form by pressing enter or by doing something else. You could easily work around that submitting button. Plus, there's many forms where the developers just plain forget to disable that button. I'm guilty of being one of those users who smashes the button multiple times. And I'll tell you why we do this. It's because we get so frustrated when we don't know that something is loading or we really want something to happen. So we're like, let's make sure and just like click this three or four times. But the actual logic that you want is, hey, when I've submitted this, then submitting should no longer have any effect. The most natural way to represent that is with a state machine where you could only submit when you haven't submitted yet, which sounds obvious in retrospect. Very much so. And when you look at it like this state overcomplicates everything, like now you got this whole massive state machine to worry about. But in essence, it's simplifying everything because all logic gates are now in this massive graph. My use of uState has significantly reduced with more and more state machines I've used throughout my application. I think in, inherently it's made my application more stable. I say stable with air quotes because you know they're not just going to keep on mashing buttons and try and get it to move states forward. 
Right, exactly. There's many ways to verify that as well. Like with a state machine, you could also generate tests and ensure that that won't happen. You basically have this self-contained model of what your application logic is going to be like so that you can know all of the possible states and transitions and there are no surprises. And that's another point I want to bring up too. Sometimes when people make state machines and state charts, especially if they use xState, they might think like, hey, it looks a little bit more complicated than the code that I would normally write. But the fact of the matter is that state machines and state charts don't introduce complexity. They reveal it and they force you to deal with that complexity up front in much of the same way that TypeScript forces you to deal with static types up front. Yeah, I would compare it to like those entity relation diagrams for like database models and how your relationships work. It's like you look at it, it looks kind of complicated, but it's like, well, that's what it is, though. You know, it has these different fields and has these different relations. If you want to visualize it and understand it, you can just look at it and you're like, wow, that's complicated. It's like, well, yeah, it's because our apps are complicated. And so you are going to be implementing a state machine, whether you use a state machine library or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exactly it. And so when, when people are writing like simpler code, the complexity lies in the code that you don't write. If you want to add a feature or change something, you're going to run into bugs because that stuff wasn't specified. However, with a state machine, I like to think that it makes um, maintenance and adding requirement changes a lot easier because everything is upfront. You know what transitions are there. You know what events and states are there. Adding something is as simple as if you visualize a state machine, you're adding a box and you're maybe moving around a couple of arrows. That's a new feature. So all of that complexity is right in front of you. And it's all just states, events, and transitions. You don't have to deal with other abstractions or even ad hoc abstractions that you might create if you don't use an explicit state machine. Yeah, and I recommend our listeners take a second to just go to stately.ai so they can see this. Like once you see it, this a lot of stuff will, will make more sense. Otherwise, it sounds kind of very abstract. I'd be curious to get more into the collaboration aspect. You mentioned that this is a tool to not only create these diagrams and state machines, but to collaborate on them. So what are some of the features and like functionality that enables that kind of collaboration? Sure. So we have a lot of plans for collaboration, which I'll get into in a minute. But currently, we've heard from a lot of developers that one of the reasons and one of the main reasons that they would choose to use state machines, whether it's with Stately or XState or not, one of the main reasons that they would choose to use it is because the logic cannot just live inside their heads. They need some way of sharing it with the rest of their team. And so we've heard stories from developers saying like, I was able to take the exact same app logic that I wrote, copy and paste it into the XD visualizer, print out or take a screenshot or share. You, you could actually share via link. That visualization with project managers or designers, et cetera, basically give it to them in a way where they could easily consume that and understand what's going on, at least at a higher level perspective. This enables collaboration because obviously, if you try sharing code with a designer or a project manager, unless they're technical, they're likely not going to understand what it is. And even if they are technical, I mean, how many times have you shared code or you reviewed a pull request and you're like, hey, I'm a senior developer, but I have no idea what's going on over here. Can you please explain it to me? I've been developing for over 12 years and I still feel that way sometimes where I have to ask for an explanation. But a state machine just presents that common language. 
Now, as far as future features uh, in Stately, we want to be able to add commenting and collaborative editing to these state charts and more sharing features like you could share state machines you know, via link. But we also want to provide first class integrations to GitHub so that the state machines that you create in your applications are also available in the Stately platform. And again, anyone can go in there, comment on state nodes, transitions, whatever through that link. So that's coming in the future. Some of the areas that I am really curious to talk about, mocking your state machines. This is something that even I suck at. How do you actually mock all the services and events that you want to do? Is this something that is going to be supported better in the future in Stately? Or is this something that we're still yet to figure out as a community on how to do it best? So by mocking, do you mean like in terms of testing, like end-to-end tests or... Yeah, I really like, for example, in the X state, stately thing, you can press through the states, right? But that doesn't necessarily run the the functions that are linked to the event, does it? Okay, so so I understand what you mean. So yes, uh, right now you could you could simulate just states and transitions, but not necessarily the actions or invocations or things like that. Yeah, so we are, uh, you know, just coming up with ideas on making simulation mode better. But in general, like the way that X state is structured allows you to like if you're just authoring normal tests, and you want to test your state machines, X state really separates the idea of the specification of your state machine and the implementation details. So you could say this action is notify user, whatever that means, like you might do an alert in the browser or send an email or whatever. You could do machine dot, well, in v5, it's machine dot provide, but uh, in v4, it's machine dot with options. So basically, you could provide the implementation details for what those actions, guards, services, delays, etc. mean, you know, it, it provides an easy way to mock them out uh, if you want to. With that said, yeah, I think that we are going to be thinking of better support for being able to provide some sort of mocks for that when you're actually trying to simulate them, whether it's in the VS Code extension or in the stately editor itself on the browser. Yeah, this is something that I think would be really cool because a lot of the time when you're like building out an X state, and this is prior to obviously using the visual UI, you kind of want to run through the state machine without using it through the UI. And if you could do that in like the VS Code extension, something we're yet to talk about, to be like, oh, push an API request, do this, do that, uh, almost as if it was in like a headless Chrome mode, if that makes sense. I think that would be really, really cool. And to get on to the VS Code editor, what is this and how is it actually going to make my life more useful? Oh, yeah. So the VS Code uh, extension is basically the stately editor or visualizer uh, baked into the um you know, the VS Code extension. So what you could do, and th- this is really cool, it was really uh, headed by one of our developer advocates. His name is Matt Pocock, who I- I'm sure that you all have met. What you could do is if you have an application and that application has X state machines defined in it, when you install the extension, you're going to see a couple of options on top of the machines. You could open it in the editor or, you know, you could visualize it. And so when you click open an editor, it's going to open a side panel and that's going to be the stately editor visualizing that machine that you have on the left. Now, like you said, you could click simulate and it provides some very basic simulation just of your states and transitions 
I agree it would be useful to show, hey, this thing is being invoked. Here's this action happening, having all of those things in there, or you know, even the ability to send payloads to events. Like there's a lot of things that we want to add to simulation mode. But one of the other powerful features is that on the right, it's not just a visualization, it's your actual state machine that you could edit visually. So you could delete state nodes, add state nodes, maybe drag transitions around, just move things around, um, just like you're editing any sort of diagram in something like Excaladraw or Lucidcharts or something like that. What will happen is that the code on the left will be updated when you edit your state machine on the right. It's very experimental, but very promising. People have been using it for a few months now. So yeah, it's just a very useful extension. I think I have quickly played around with it, but I couldn't quite get it working right on one or two of my states as the buttons to pop up to open it would only appear on certain of my certain machines. But I'm sure that's an early bug of it, as I think it was a few months ago. Two other areas I really want to tackle is state machine as components with Zag and also state machines on the server. State machines on the server, I think, is a really interesting question because Eric Rasmussen demonstrated this at Remix Conference, I believe. I was watching the talk, but I definitely believe it was XState on the server. What he managed to achieve was JavaScript-less form, uh, multi-form processing without JavaScript enabled. What are the benefits of state machines on the server? And is this something we've hardly explored yet? Oh, that's a great question. So state machines on the server are actually really useful. And I'll say first, state machines on the front end, I have a lot of developers saying like, you know, I'm I'm interested in X states, but I haven't really found a good use case for it yet. And maybe they're working on just simple CRUD apps or something like that, where having a full-blown state machine doesn't really make sense because their app logic isn't that complex. However, once you move to the server, then the use cases sort of explode. And that's because almost every server side application has something that's called a workflow. And so a workflow, uh, just for those who don't know, or if you want to put a specific definition to it, a workflow is a, a series of steps where you have to do one after the other in order to accomplish a specific goal. For example, if you want to upload an image, then, you know, it it might go through a few steps. There might be one step where it's minifying the image and then another step where it's uploading to a cloud location and then another step where it's retrieving the URL, you know, something like that. And then another step where it's uh, giving that to the user. And of course, these sequences of steps might be more complicated. Eric showed a checkout flow. It was pretty straightforward, like step one, step two, step three, step four, but not all workflows are that straightforward. You could have different things happen depending on you know other conditions. You could have branches, you could have loops, you could have different triggers, which might cause an error, and then you have to figure out that error. Again, so many applications have a lot of these server-side workflows, and one of the best ways to represent these workflows is via state machines and even state charts. So again, Eric presented a checkout flow with that. And that's sort of using a state machine to drive the front end views. That's one use case of a state machine on the server. Others are just like what I described, back end workflows. I would say that using XState on the back end is something that we're exploring more and more. And we want to provide a lot more uh, first class features for that. I'm curious, do you know anything about AWS step functions? 
Yeah, so... That's what I was thinking about the whole time you were saying that. Oh, exactly. And so people who uh, have played around or looked at AWS dev functions will immediately see the parallels behind like what we're trying to do and you know what AWS has done. In fact, if you look at what's called AWS Dates language, it bears a lot of resemblance to XDate. Obviously, there are some major differences, um, but you still have that big JSON object, which can be visualized. However, it is for you know state machines and we have state charts, which are much more powerful than that. So there's a huge opportunity to basically create a much more powerful framework agnostic AWS step functions. Hopefully they don't hear this and you know want to steal our lunch, but <laughs> that's something that we're we're looking into. And just to carry on the conversation of servers, I think something that we always see, well, something I definitely see in my flows is chains of await functions as saying like, for example, payments are a great example. I need to confirm the payment. Then I need to communicate with Stripe. Then I need to get back that data, store that data in the database, then build a response and then send a response through the client. You could say that, well, logically right now, it seems like await statements, like await, then do this, await, then do that, await, then do this, is the normal. How would an X state make this better? And what would it help reduce bugs, side effects? errors i'm just imagining your uh you know your workflow right now you have some data from data equals await do this and then maybe you have some more data or you do something with that data say data equals await do that and then await step three await step four so you have this very serial uh you know sequence of async operations happening so in x state each one of those would be a state. So you would have a state of doing this. And then when it's done, it transitions to a state of doing that which transitions to a state of whatever so basically box each of your await statements, that's a state, and draw an arrow between them, and there you go. It, like That's basically what it is in xState. It's just representing that sequence of await statements as a state machine. And you might think like, you know, that, that seems like just an aesthetic improvement maybe, but what that really enables is answering questions like, what happens if one of these await statements fails? So in code, you would have to wrap each one of those in a try catch and do something, but you might not want the entire thing to fail. Like, let's say that your call to Stripe fails. You start saying like, okay, I wanted to apply some different logic. Like maybe we have an alternate payment provider via Paddle or something like that. And we want to go through Paddle if the payment fails. Uh, and then we, you know, just do different logic based on that. Then with X state, that's just a, another arrow going to a different box or a different state. And so you could see how you could definitely express any level of complexity using this idea of states and transitions rather than your very linear async await flow. Yes. Let's also just talk about the final use case that I see in my head, the onboarding step form. So you have like 10 steps. And you're going to do it on server side, every single API call may be different. You know, one may be update profile, one may be create a team, one may be, you know, accept terms, conditions. And how do you make sure that each step is done in the right order? Well, you would build a state machine on the server that would then say, okay, these are the steps I need to do. Then you would initiate what step they are on based upon the API call and make sure all previous steps are done before they can do the next steps. Is that correct? That sounds correct to me. 
Yeah, that is correct. And that would be one of the primary use cases of a state machine where you could verify that these dates are happening in order. And of course you could do it in code too. You might say like, oh, you know what? I can make a linked list to do this. That's something I learned in university and I could apply it here. Or I could just go through an array and keep track of a counter or something instead of using a state machine. But at the end of the day, the developer is creating their own ad hoc bug ridden version of a state machine by doing that. So either way, it's like you're either creating an implicit state machine or an explicit one. It's not you're using a state machine or not. You are still using a state machine, but it's better to have one where it's a more rigid declarative structure. You can visualize it, etc. Yes, that's really exciting. I've only used state machines so far on my client, but this sounds like something that I'm like, maybe I need to go implement some state machines on my server as well. To talk about the other side, so we spoke about it controlling layouts on the server. Well, what about components? Is xState a replacement for uState on a component level basis as well? So it could be. I say like if your components do have complex state, then it is useful to use a state machine, whether it's uh, via xState or not. And in fact, in the stately editor, we do have complex components which do need xState and a state machine in order to drive them. There is this project right now called Zag.js where that's basically their entire thing. They're using state machines to drive the logic of components. Now, interestingly enough, they're not using xState. They're using their own homegrown state machine library, which is completely fine. But what they've written is actually compatible with the xState visualizer already, which is super cool. They even have a page showing the state machine visualizations of each of their components. So what this allows them to do is to take that component logic and make it completely framework agnostic, including all of the accessibility details and considerations. You know, this allows them to just write adapters for React, Vue, Solids, Svelte, etc., and ensure that they have the same logic for all of these components. So it's a super exciting project. Do you think all of these things are still really early on as like we've only hit 20% of peak efficiency of like state machines? Oh, of course. Yeah, there there's so much, you know, more research to be done and ideas that we're having. You know, we're moving to XC version 5, but we already have just so many ideas for the future. But all of these ideas are rooted on fundamentals that go back more than 50 years because state machines predates basically all software engineering. I mean, software engineering and computers and things would not be possible without state machines, which basically drives like all of the logic, you know, in our computers. So yeah, and state charts are from 1989. And of course, there has been a lot of research done on that as well. So I think we right now we're in the early adopters phase of actually using state machines and state charts for user interfaces and even for things like workflows. And I think that as we get more mass adoption, people are going to discover new patterns, new modeling techniques, and better ways of visualizing these things. That's just going to have a lot of benefits in software developments in general. And some of these benefits are already being realized in many other industries, which I'm not related to, but uh, things like embedded electronics, um, automotive tech, uh, aeronautics, like these, I guess you could call them more hardware related tech that they extensively use state machines and state charts in development. Oh, also game developments as well. And they use it to great effect. And there's a lot of benefits of using it in those kinds of industries. And I just want to bring those benefits over to the web. Very cool. When we talk about the future, will we see multiple standards emerge? Or is XState a already default standard from them previous years? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So the basic mechanics of like a state machine, it, it's a mathematical definition. So I don't see that ever changing. We're always going to have those same five things, a finite number of states, a finite number of events, a finite number of deterministic transitions in initial states and a final state. And as long as we stay with those five core ideas behind the mathematical definition, then everything is just API sugar on top of that. Even state charts, which introduce things like compound parallel states, final states, entry and exit actions, just a lot of different things. A state chart can be decomposed to a state machine. So you could write a really big state machine that does the equivalent of what a state chart would do. So at the end of the day, it just comes to a convenient wrapper around what a fundamental mathematical state machine is. Awesome. Just like, as we said a minute ago, Zag is using their own version of machines but they are compatible with X states versions because both of them are on the same fundamental principles. Exactly. Yes. Great. Have you got any more questions, Anthony? I'd be curious who you're seeing pick up Stately right now. And if you're seeing more like solo devs or companies, or if there's a certain area that you're even aiming at at all. Even before I created uh, Stately, we've seen a lot of adoption in companies, big and small, using XState in production. What's interesting is that while the primary use cases were assumed to be for the front end, like you were talking about, whether it's component logic or routing or things like that, we've seen more and more adoption of XState on the back end. We see companies just focused on things that even have nothing to do with UI. They're using XState to drive back end processes. That's something that we definitely want to target more of in the future. But we also want to target companies who are doing some just very complex things on both the front end and the back end, which is why we're building these tools to really address just this general idea of application logic or business logic and collaboration with the entire team. Very, very cool. And I wonder how long it will be until something like X state is in a game. It's probably already there to be fair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Mastery Games by Dave Sedia. That's been out for a few years now actually. And he uses X state to drive these games. They're very fun games. There's one called Service Workies that again, th this was released like four years ago now but it does use XState to drive all of the game transitions. That is really, really cool. Do you have any last thoughts before we close this episode out? No, I just want to encourage everyone to check out stately.ai and learn about state machines and see how they could help you. And also feel free to visit our Discord at discord.gg slash xdate. We're a very welcoming community. So if you have any questions, there's always someone here to help. Yeah, happy stately modeling. You beat me too. I was going to ask if you had a Discord. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for building XState and being such a, a passionate advocate and explainer of it. I think it's really cool that you're getting to actually build a company now on top of state machines. I think pretty much anyone who knows you will see that as like the logical conclusion of this whole thing. So hopefully one day you'll have a state machine corporation. <laughs> that sounds more evil than you probably implied. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, David. I just kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you so much. I personally, as a user of XDay, I can't wait to see the future of Stately and how it can make state machines even easier. As my motto with everything is, if it makes my life easier, the better it gets. <laughs> and that's our goal. Yeah. Where can the listeners follow you? <laughs> Yeah, so I am David K. Piano pretty much everywhere online on Twitter, GitHub, LinkedIn, whoever uses that. Yeah. <laughs>
yeah, awesome. I think that's about it. I really don't have anything else more to ask, unless you do, Anthony. I think we're good. That was a, a good pitch, good, concise episode. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah.